Thank you for downloading Season 5, Episode 17 of Baseball Pitching the Fix. I am your host, Joe Jenish, and with me, as always, is baseball pitching motion expert, Angel Borelli. And this episode, we're going to start out with coaching the coaches. Angel has been getting quite a number of inquiries from coaches about mechanics, and it's great to hear the feedback and everything else. Before we get into that, we want to wish everyone happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Angel, do you want to spread some holiday cheer? Yes, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, because we won't be connecting again until the right after the first. Yes, and so thank you all for listening, and I hope today will be a gift for you in one way or another. Oh, that's a nice thing. It is a gift, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to try to make it be a gift today. All right, well, let's get started. What are some of the questions that you're getting from coaches lately, Angel, and, and how can you uh, help them out? Well, first of all, I love, you guys know I love you. Coaching the coaches is probably my favorite segment I've ever done. I want to do all I can to help you, particularly with the tone that's going on in baseball uh, these days, the complication of using data and everything else. I want to still help you develop your own skills that are so great. And I've been getting tons of calls about changing mechanics and how to make adjustments and wanting to know how to do things or if something makes sense. And I absolutely love that because I think my knowledge combined with what you already know can help you produce whatever it is you want to produce. So in the la last week, I got a, a good number of calls of people saying, asking, okay, the team's coming together. We're starting to throw. Some are on flat ground. Some are just starting to pitch. And they're asking, like, listen, they're saying, I don't know anatomy. I don't know kinesiology. Thank you for explaining everything easily. But can you give me something where if I get them out there on the first day, something I can begin to look at? And in fact, a lot of people mentioned they love that little thing of having everyone hold out the ball for their four-seam grip. And I got some interesting <laughs> feedback on how crazy some of the grips look. So I, I was thinking about, you know, what do I do if I have more than one pitcher in front of me, which doesn't happen very often, but what are some of the simple things, like especially if you're working with youth pitchers, you know, what can you do? What is simple? This is what they wanted to know. So I was thinking about it and I, have an, I had an idea and I realized that this is something that I usually start with, particularly if you've got like six or seven guys standing there and let's say they're playing catch. And let's say you look and you go, what am I looking at? Everybody looks sloppy. Everybody's throwing the ball every which way. Where can you start to dial in something that's going to organize their throwing motion? And this is a great thing to do flat ground. So two of the most important parts of throwing correctly are getting the lead side to operate correctly. You've been listening to me. You know that I'm a glove arm fanatic. The glove arm can throw off the entire motion. I don't care how well you come out of the glove. I don't care if you get your, to that first position at stride foot contact. That's absolutely perfect. I don't care if you can throw 95 miles an hour. If your glove arm does something funky and it tilts your trunk or it does something that throws off the timing, it will not allow that pitcher to be as good as he could be. The second thing is, if the front foot doesn't step out, even when they're playing catch correctly, you're not going to get the hips 
to be able to rotate efficiently towards the plate. And rotation is how the pitcher gets squared up for his target. So rotation is the motion between the stride and the delivery of the ball that if it's not done correctly and at the right time and in the right order, it will affect the delivery, the actual acceleration path, the actual direction of the ball, the actual placement of the fingers on the ball. So if the foot is crossing over too far, so with a right-handed pitcher, he's going to be stepping way too far to the right, that is going to affect the motion, the rotation, and then you're going to have an effect on ball release. So the glove arm and the foot are two basic things that I don't care what other adjustment you see needs to get done. If those two things are not happening, they're not going to allow you to make an adjustment with the pitching arm or with maybe the head of the pitcher or any other issue that you might see that needs help, particularly if he's having trouble with his pitches. So the glove arm and the foot are the two things that I think you can line guys up and actually work with them as a group, sort of like teaching them. So first of all, in terms of the foot placement, and everyone, I want to remind you, when I'm teaching, I'm teaching straight, forward, specific, efficient motion. I'm teaching normal joint actions. I'm not teaching any bells and whistles. Yes, we know that there's tons of pitchers that step way, and you guys call it stepping across the body. You call it actually throwing across the body. To me, you're stepping across the body. So the righty's going to take his left foot and put it way to the right. The lefty will take his foot and put it way to the left. And then he's got this kind of weird motion where he can't get square, but it brings the ball around. I know that hides the ball well, but If you are a high school coach or you're a coach that's devoted to efficient mechanics, you want to teach efficiency and you want to teach correctly. And then at least you know you've done your job. So the way that you know where a landing should be is have each pitcher stand facing you, have them line up and have them put the lefties on one side and the righties on another. So let's talk righties. So we're going to take the left leg and you're going to ask them, do a lunge. So they'll just, everyone's done a lunge. So they'll do a lunge and you have them stop. Then you say, take your back foot now, which of course is facing forward towards you because they're lunging. They're doing an exercise. Have them turn that foot so that it looks like it's against the rubber. What you're going to see is there's a heel to heel line. The heel of the right foot, if you draw a line, you're going to get a right to the foot. That's the way we walk. That's the way we lunge. That's the way the tires are aligned on a car. We go straight forward. So this is a way to have them know where their foot can be. The other thing is I have little plastic dots I use. I have them measure it, you know, walk out from the heel. But this is the simplest way to do it, particularly if you've got seven or eight guys standing there. Now you've got the right foot placement. I recommend you have them get one of their shoes because they've all changed to cleats and have them put it on the grass, making sure they always start their motion from the same place. So you might want to have an artificial like rubber for them. And you, you put the foot down and it's kind of facing exactly in the spot 
not the spot where they have to land on it, but in the direction, the line. And this is a great tool. I use this on the mound when my uh, pitcher says, you know, I need something visual. And the shoe is perfect because it, it, if they would happen to hit it, they won't hurt themselves. And also it's a foot. <laughs> so it kind of makes a connection. Put it far enough out so that we're not going to hit it. Make sure they know this isn't talking about stride distance. It's talking about alignment. That's the way you get them at least starting to step correctly. So that is the first little simple thing you can do to make sure your pitchers are stepping out and giving themselves the best opportunity to have great rotation. Joe, were you following that? Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of something that I used to do with, or still do with pitchers and and catchers as well. I, I always have a bag of flour with me. And I use the flower to like draw a line on the ground. Nice. That's great. Yeah. So I, I, I draw the line like from their heel to where their, where their other heels should be. But um, I like the shoe idea because like you said, it kind of like tells you where, yeah. where your, uh, your foot should be. I like that. I love this idea of using flower to draw a line. But if I'm on a baseball field, are they going to get mad at me? <laughs> no, it's, it's just like the, like the lime lines, I guess. Well, you know, this is California, so it'll have to be gluten-free flour, and that's going to be a problem. Gluten-free and organic. Exactly. (laughs) And then the next day we come and we have 5,000 geese on the (laughs) field. (laughs) Anyway, okay, guys, you make the decision what you want to use. So that's the foot. Now the glove. Okay. The glove arm, when I teach people who have a problem with their glove arm, I always say, listen, Let's learn it with a nice straight glove arm. And then once you get the timing down, if you want to add a bend in it or whatever, go ahead. The most efficient way the arms move up to the shoulder is the exact motion you use when you do a jumping jack. When the arms are straight, the shoulder muscle can very easily move the shoulder, the arm up. When the arms are bent and you try to move up, like if you're in a gym and you use one of those side raise machines where the elbows are bent to 90 degrees, because of what it does to the shoulder itself, the shoulder joint, it sort of internally rotates it, you'll notice it's harder to get the arms up to the shoulder height. The other issue is the way the brain works, if your two arms are doing the same thing, it happens a little more rhythmically. So... If the pitching arm is going long and the glove arm's going short, you're going to have this timing problem. Most of the time, the glove arm will arrive sooner. The pitcher will start to go into rotation with it as if he's starting to turn, and it sometimes cannot give the pitching arm enough time. So there are reasons why when you're teaching to have a good glove arm that you want to say, listen, guys, I want you all coming up straight up Come come down with the glove in front of your thighs, and I want you to come straight up to the shoulder with straight arms and then go into your pitching, you know, early cocking position. What you want to do with the pitchers if they're all lined up is so have them all be in their sort of landing position, have them have their foot out right in line with that shoe that's down on the ground, and ask them to put their glove arm so that there's actually, you could draw a line between the glove arm and the air and right down to the front foot, because that's really what you want. When the front foot lands, the rotation phase starts. You want the glove arriving at that exact place exactly when the foot arrives. That's why if the leg is long reaching out and the arm is short, you're going to be off time. 
And timing is the number one issue for crazy mechanics. Pitchers know what they're supposed to do, but if they don't have time to do it, they're going to rush with something else. Or if they do something that's late, they're going to have to make up an extra movement. Now, you'll end up at, at ball release being in a funky position. So you have the glove arm out straight, you have the foot arm, and you say, okay, now I want you to just, you know, like you taught Little League, lower the glove, step out, get the glove arm out there straight, and then pull it in correctly. It's the pulling in of the glove that causes the problems. It's why when the arm is short, you know, the pitchers that raise it up and their arm is bent at 90 degrees, it's very short. It's only as long as their upper arm. That arm arrives there, they end up twisting it and turning it. It looks like a wing going up and down. And what it does is it, it starts, it can interfere with the way the pitcher's going to turn. It also can interfere with the way he goes forward over his leg. Because oftentimes, he's in such a funky little shape because he's done this funky little, I call it a Frankenstein hand. He kind of twists the glove in a weird way. And it ends up in front of his body. So he is blocking his rotation, which is, again, the way the pitcher develops velocity. It also is the way the pitcher goes from sideways to facing the target. You want that to be efficient. So if the glove gets caught in the front or he pulls it in in a funky way because it never really moved on a straight path to help him rotate, you're going to get funky rotation. It, so it not only affects direction, and that's why I think you guys named it the direction arm, but it affects rotation, which has got to be efficient because that's the, net, the thing that happens right before you release the, or accelerate and then release the ball. So have them start with the glove arm, and everybody's done a row. And if you own my first pitch strike warm-up program, you're doing rows on that. Tell the guys that the pulling in of the glove arm should be just like a row in the gym. You pull it straight in and the hand ends up, we'll call it in the armpit. If they're aiming for that kind of movement, it will be clean. And as the pitchers do that, they'll notice their right side or their dominant side is coming around because that arm is helping the rotation. You do not want the glove arm to be Moving too fast, I've, ver- I've never seen one move too slow, by the way. Moving too fast, being so short that it throws off the pitching arm. Having a glove that gets stuck in front of the body so you can't go over the leg. You also can't rotate to get over your leg. You don't want the glove arm interfering with the motion. I mean, here's the guy who's developed this fantastic pitch. He's got a great arm, and his glove arm is going to get in his way. When my pitchers realize their glove arm is the problem, it's the easiest thing to fix, and it is the thing that pitchers go. In fact, someone texted me last night and said, it was amazing. I did a long-distance video analysis, and I showed him, and I had him, you know, doing it, and he went out and pitched, and when a, a pitcher uses amazing, my pitching felt amazing, you know they got it, and it's very simple. Yet it's one of the biggest problems. So guys, line them up, get their feet, foot out straight, get their glove arm out straight, teach them how to pull that glove arm in, and there you go. 
start playing catch and you're going to see something that looks different, particularly when you've got guys that are tilting and falling over. Their follow through looks like they're, you know, going in the complete opposite direction. These are usually off balance issues and the glove arm can throw you off balance quicker than anything else. 90% of adjustments that I make that produce quick results are with the knee lift and with the glove arm. I know it sounds crazy. The two things you would think would be innocuous, but they tend to be the culprits when there's a pitching motion. And I love these adjustments because guess what? You're staying far away from the arm. And I always say, don't touch the arm unless you have to. Well, I think that uh, this is great, great advice. It sounds very simple, as you said, but it is it is so fundamental to everything else working. And I know exactly where this comes from, all these issues. And we see so many pitchers who are stepping, you know, across their body these days at the major league level, at, at the pro levels, and then thrown across their body. Right. We see it so often that when a pitcher does it correctly, it doesn't look right. It's like people are like, oh, he's not, he's opening up or something like it, it's so, it's so interesting. But, you know, I think a big part of it, you, you know, you've mentioned the word rotation a number of times. And I know that in baseball pitching coach circles, rotation, people know rotation is, you know, the hips are where, you know, your velocity comes from. But I, I think people don't really understand, not a lot, a lot of people don't really understand when the rotation is happening. And I think they start it way too early in the motion. There's, I think there's this, this idea that the rotation begins when you lift your leg. And, and I see so many pitchers that are like starting to like turn their hips away from the batter and back when they lift their knee. And then once they start turning their upper body like back towards second base, it, you can't really, it's very difficult to try and keep your balance without, you know, throwing your glove out in a weird way or stepping, you know, too closed. You know, it throws off so many things, but for some reason, you know, there's, there's this idea that the rotation has to happen too early in the motion. And I, I think, right. well, I'm going to, I'm going to defer to you, but from what I understand, the rotation really begins once that foot comes down, you, you need to stay sideways. You don't need to like right. rotate to the back before really the leg lift, the leg lift doesn't do a whole lot. I mean, there's this other thing that came from Tom House that the the higher you lift your knee and the knee lift, the faster you're going to throw because you're going to fall and, you know, get tall and fall and, and you're going to have more acceleration and more momentum and all this other nonsense that really doesn't coincide with the way the body works or the way anatomy works. And I think that all these mixed messages from people that really don't understand anatomy and kinesiology you know, they confuse the pitchers and, and they get them doing all these crazy things, you know, during their leg lift. And, and if you're off balance on your leg lift or you're too high or you're, or you're rotating towards second base, then, then all this, everything else is, it's going to be like, you're just trying to correct that flaw throughout the rest of the delivery. Right. So, you know, I think that coaches, a lot of coaches that have heard about rotation and all that, you know, maybe try to understand that the rotation is happening once the foot comes down, that's where all the magic begins. Right. Well, here's the thing I always say, you know, if I see a pitcher doing something very unusual, I had a pitcher come in the other day and he looked like a Royal. He threw his legs straight out. And of course, when I saw it, I went, oh, wow, I haven't seen that for a while. And then I, my next thing was, I want to see where that, what that produces. Because when somebody's got something so weird they do, but it's kind of cool, 
you don't want to take it away unless it interferes with the next thing. Because in pitching is like playing pool. you got each motion sets you up for the next thing. So if a pitcher's got a high knee lift or he's doing this or that, he's El Duque or whatever, and he's got some unusual thing he's doing, what I look and see is, is it interfering with the thing that I just talked about, which is foot placement. Foot placement is the base for your pitching motion. The front leg, you rotate around it, you then you throw over it. And there's no other way to describe what it does. And you're absolutely right. The minute the front foot lands, the rotation begins. You do not want early or premature rotation because then you're taking away from the development of velocity that you're getting through the rotation phase. So, and I'm talking the real way velocity is developed. It's developed by the transfer of energy through the three segments of rotation. And coincidentally, everybody, the exercise we're going to do in the strength training section is for actually that separation and strength. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. So anyway, if you got something crazy going on at the beginning and it disallows correct foot placement or stable foot placement, then you need to go back and kind of look at that. And guys, when you get out there and do these things, these simple things with the glove arm and the lunge, it breaks it down so simply you're going to be able to see the guy who's shooting himself in the foot, no pun intended, because he's got something crazy about the way he starts his motion and his foot can't land correctly. So anyway, those are two beginning places. And Joe, I want to compliment you on your knowledge of the pitching motion. I'm giving you an A plus today. <laughs> well, it's been five years. I should pick up something, <laughs> at least by osmosis. Exactly. Exactly. It's funny talking about all this in the rotation. I, I keep thinking there's an image in my head you know, I'm showing my age now, but there was a pitcher in the 60s and 70s named Louis Tiant who used to turn him completely around and to show his back to the batter. But when he came back around and he landed, mm-hmm. he landed. He was sideways. He was straight and he was able to to uh, use his hips properly to uh, to deliver the ball. It was it's it's a funny thing. But to, to your point, like with El Duque and, and other pitchers that have their own style, you know, to your point, you don't want to take away something that's personal to the pitcher. But right. if that personal thing is creating inefficiency, then you need to make some adjustments. Right. Well, let them be themselves. And listen, they know when something they do interferes in the way they know it is if you take, remove it and have them do it, they'll be the first ones that make the adjustment. Yeah. I always say, let a, you always have to see if a pitcher's doing something crazy, does he pull himself out of it? You know, like is, if his arm is late, does he end up looking good at delivery. If his arm is too fast, does he pull himself out of it so that he ends up in the right place? That's why you have to know where everything's supposed to be so you can recognize when something's not quite right. But then you have to know where does that lead to? And that's where I want to look. You don't just criticize one part of the motion. You have to look to see, did it contribute to the next motion being great? Or did it take away from the greatness? And as you go from the beginning of the motion to the end, remember, the party's happening at the end. (laughs) It starts when the foot lands and then the delivery, the acceleration path has to be clean and that release has to be exactly what you want it to be. So you don't want something crazy getting in the way of that. So anyway, so great. And I'm glad we're doing this little uh, strength training section. And rotation. All this discussion about rotation and mm-hmm. trunk and, and everything else, 
Now we're going to move into our All It Takes is All You Got segment and lead the way. Angel, tell us how we can uh, work in the gym on all this. Okay, so for everyone who's listening, make sure you go to the YouTube channel to uh, see the exercise being done because the reason why we have this channel now is because it's pretty much impossible to describe to the public how to do an exercise unless you can see it. So, And I have a wonderful podcast editor, and he will have the live video of the drill being done and then three still shots so that you can actually see the exact positioning. What we're going to be doing is what I call a lying rotation exercise. And the thing about this exercise that is so great is it teaches the separation of the three segments of rotation, the way the pitcher rotates from the stride into squaring up to the plate, into facing the target, is his pelvis rotates first, his lower trunk, middle trunk rotates second, and his upper trunk rotates third. So if you're a golfer, by the way, you're going to love this exercise. Every pitcher and everybody in a rotation sport should be doing this exercise. By the way, for you guys who just want to look good, this gives you cuts in your abs that you will not believe. (laughs) (laughs) So so anyway, what you're going to see is Chris is doing the lying trunk rotation and he is doing this. You see that he's laying flat and his legs are going side to side. He happens to be a lefty. He's going to both sides. And what you notice is his whole trunk and hips are rotating towards the floor while his upper body is staying flat. So what you're getting is rotation that's affecting the pelvis and the trunk without the upper body coming through. And when a pitcher rotates to develop the most velocity, you want the most separation between the three segments. And if you want to look at somebody who can do that well, Chapman's a great example of that. He's got separation. In other words, when he, if he had jeans on, both of his pockets are facing the hitter. Part of his trunk is facing the hitter just above, above the belt line, but his arm hasn't come through at all. So now if you look at the, the still photos, and this is why I wanted to have the still photos, look at the middle photo where Chris's legs are all the way down on the floor. You can see by the stripe on his shirt that he's got some rotation in his trunk that's gone with that. So imagine that that's the rotation that a righty would have squaring up to the plate. Notice his shoulder hasn't come through. So if he rotated his trunk now to like get up on its side, that arm would still be back. That's how you develop velocity. Velocity is developed by using the three segments. And there's two characteristics. They have to be used in order and they have to be separated. Pelvis middle trunk, upper trunk, and they have to go in that order. When you see someone crossing uh, their foot lands, they start to turn their pelvis, but they can't get through because their foot has crossed over their body. So then they bring the trunk and the arm, and the arm will arrive before the trunk arrives. Well, guess what? The chest and lat are part of the trunk musculature crossing the shoulder. They deliver the ball. If you get them there and you didn't stretch them before you got there, you're not going to have the velocity you want. So this this exercise here is it's actually a basic exercise. You probably all have seen it, 
but you can't believe the pitchers I give it to that have never done it. So that's why I said, you know, I just assume everybody knows this. So I thought I would start with this. Now, if you have clients of pitchers that are very weak, when you look at the way the video is being done, you want to bend their knees like they're sitting in a chair and have them start in that position rather than the straight leg. But they've got to get to the straight leg. So a few characteristics of this drill. Notice that Chris is controlling his legs on the way down. And I also want you to know that the oblique muscles, which are your rotation muscles of your trunk, they are what we call opposite side rotators. So when you see his legs going down to his left side, that's the right side of his trunk muscles rotating it to the left. Those are the main rotators. So you want to have the pitchers feel that. And you want to have them sometimes go to just one side, maybe their dominant side, and then go to the other side. Always have them warm up and finish going to both sides because they need balance. But what you're going to see is you're going to see pitchers as their legs approach the ground, particularly on when you see the leg going in the direction they would. So right-handed pitcher with his legs going to the left you will see the right side of his body, upper body, pop up off the ground because he doesn't have the ability to separate. So by him working with this, and his goal will be to keep the shoulders down just the way you see Chris's shoulders staying down. And actually, you'll notice on him, I'm actually looking at this right now to see if his left shoulder, because he's a lefty, actually he's better on his left side than he is on his right side. He knows how to separate. Of course, he's been doing this uh, exercise for a long time. And yes, if you want, you could put, a when the knees are bent, you could put a medicine ball between the knees. But I recommend that you actually work with this. This exercise hurts, increase the repetitions rather than trying to add weight and have them go to just one side. But this is the exercise that is a basic exercise that every pitcher should be doing. And coaches, I always recommend do it first so you can feel it. And I guarantee if you do 20 to 25 to 26 in a set and you do three sets of it and then you go to bed that night and when you wake up in the morning, when you go to get out of bed, you will feel like you got hit by a car. You'll be like, wow, what happened? And you'll remember you did your abs. But this exercise is, the pitchers love it because they understand why they're doing it. So this combined with what you're teaching uh, with the glove arm and the uh, foot placement can be a really great entry level types of exercises to get everybody pitching uh, in a more organized fashion. Wow. Angel, I do a a variation of this exercise with a, a Swiss ball where I uh, put the, the heels of my feet on top of the ball and kind of like roll back and forth. Mm-hmm. Is that a, a suggestion for people who are a little weaker? No, it's completely different. And I would stay away from the Swiss ball. All right. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. And that's a completely different movement. That's okay. That's why you have me. Yeah. Well, that's why mm-hmm. I ask. If we were in person, I would show you how it's different, but uh, I can't. So you just have to trust me. Yeah. This exercise, there's no replacement. There's no variation. It's the way you do it. And of course, I have a drill that I do that actually has them land with their feet and then they rotate the other segments over. We have variations of this that are more once I once they get the strength here. But this is the strength training movement that gives them that feel and also gives them that ability to use their trunk 
and just to create the separation. You need the arm to not rotate with the trunk and the hips. The hips go first, trunk goes next, upper trunk, which brings the arm, comes last. That's how the good pitchers do it. It's the way it's done. And then you're getting the pre-stretch because you can see when his legs land, his pitching arm, the arm that's opposite of the side the legs have landed on towards the ground, is getting a huge stretch. And it's the stretch that produces the preliminary sort of phase to the powerful contraction. That's why this exercise is so great. It does a million things. So have fun doing it. Yeah. If, if you're listening in the car right now or listening in the gym or somewhere where you're not in front of a computer, you might be a little lost about what's happening. Essentially, it's, it's the exercise where the person is laying down on their back with their arms spread out, almost like, like a scarecrow. And the feet are up in the air with straight leg and going back and forth to the left and the right. It'll, it'll make sense when you, when you get home and get on the computer and go to Angel's YouTube channel. Check it out. We'll have, we'll have the links in the show notes as well. Yeah, Angel, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I've heard the concept of separation for years and years and years, and I kind of know it when I see it, but I've, I've always had a hard time kind of having a pitcher feel it. And, and get them to understand it more. And I think that this, this exercise is just the perfect way to explain exactly what separation is all about. So thank you very much for sharing this with us. You're so welcome. And I think that's all we have for today, right, Angel? That's it. Well, wait, don't we have a gift for our listeners? Oh, that's right. We're still going to be doing the... Yeah, yeah. So what, what we're going to do is this is only for my listeners, so I'm not having it on the website. So all you have to do is send me an email at angel at gymscience.com. I'll have your email then. And you just put in the subject line, the fix. I will know that that means that you want the elbow book, which you will be getting a 30% discount on, which is $20 off. And the reason why you just have to send the email is that will cause me to send a PayPal invoice to you. And then on that will be all your instructions. And it's a downloadable book, of course. And of course, go to my products page so you can uh, see that. But yeah, so that's a little special gift because that book is fantastic. It's a great book to be using right now. It not only is strength training for the elbow, the forearm, the wrists and the fingers, but it teaches you about the elbow, the forearm, the wrists, and the fingers. It teaches about what it does in pitching. It's kind of a, it teaches about the pitching motion with those body parts, but it also teaches how each muscle contributes to the motion and also has workouts for in-season, off-season. It has youth, adult, great photos. Some of my best pictures are in there. You'll absolutely love it. People who buy it love it. Uh, yeah, so that's my uh, little gift to you. And uh, thank you to all of you that have already uh, taken advantage of that. I'm glad to be able to do it. Yeah, and if you haven't taken advantage yet, I think you should do it. Last I checked, there are still tons and tons of Tommy John surgeries that really shouldn't be happening and don't need to be happening. And I think that if you if you have a good understanding of how the elbow works and the pitching motion and how you can Make sure you can keep it protected and strong and strengthen it. And yes, you can strengthen the elbow just like you can strengthen the shoulder and every other part of your body. Take advantage of this, this special holiday gift. Please do it. I recommend it. I think that's all we have for today, Angel. I want to thank everyone again for listening. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Bye bye, everyone. Happy holidays. 
We will be seeing you after the new year. And in the meantime, we wish you safe and effective performance on the pitching mound. <laughs>